0: What's going on, everybody? We are back. It is episode number 225 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. KB coming at you from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by our awesome friends at Maine Auto LLC, Ducharme's Pro Foot Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Audemars, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course... Powered by our friends at Design Tree. Go to to their website, dsgntree.com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia. You get all of our merch on our storefront for 20% off if you use the promo code SPRING20 at checkout. That is promo code SPRING20 at checkout. And of course, our newest sponsor and member of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family. It's Tomahawk Shades. They're doing it right, guys. Make sure you you're staring at screens all day long now, whether you're working from home, playing video games, doing stuff like we do with podcasting, watching Netflix, Hulu, whatever it may be. Protect your eyes. They need they need all the help they can get if you're looking at screens all day long. And Tomahawk Shades has you covered with their Blue Light Plus collection. They are best of the best and uh you you got to take advantage of it because Tomahawk Shades is hooking you up with our promo code USP. That's promo code USP at checkout. You're going to save 25% off your entire order. They're hooking you guys up big time. We're thankful for them for taking a chance on us. So take a chance with Tomahawk Shades and protect your eyes, whether you're going outside with sunglasses to take that quarantine walk, staying six feet apart from everybody. Uh, or if you're staring at a screen use those blue light plus glasses they are best of the best i can't wait for my pair to get here and uh very thankful for tomahawk shades but let's get into the episode tonight talking about a couple things most notably the nba hall of famers uh it's crazy to see you know, as the years go on, the players I grew up watching are now getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, and three of my favorite all-time players are in now, and uh, that's Tim Duggan, Kobe Bryant, of course, lower Marion own, and Kevin Garnett, and you're probably going to be like, Kyle, how the hell do you like Kevin Garnett? Well, I'm not talking about Celtics Garnett, although anything is possible is one of the best quotes of all time. Um, I'm talking about Timberwolves. Kevin Garnett is one of my favorite players of all time. Those three guys shaped my NBA fandom, along with Allen Iverson, um, growing up, and why I'm an NBA fan. You know, those four. You throw in Dirk, um, David Robinson. You know, there's a there's a couple more, but Steve Nash and Jason Kidd. But You know, those three guys getting inducted together is such an awesome thing. Um, You know, they are legends of this game. Tim Duncan, an absolute monster with the San Antonio Spurs, winning championships left and right. Now he's, you know, on the coaching staff, and he won his first professional game coaching when uh, Greg Popovich was out for a game this year. Kevin Garnett, obviously, uh, a monster start to his career with the Timberwolves, goes to the Celtics, wins championships with the Celtics, and, uh, finishes up with the Brooklyn Nets after that trade went down, but KG is an all-time great, he's one of the, like, most entertaining players to have, you know, that thankfully came up during my childhood and I got to watch Kevin Garnett play, um... And then, of course, Kobe Bryant, you know, unfortunately going in posthumously, um, but absolute legend of the game. Like all three of these guys have story arcs in the NBA that are absolutely, you know, legendary. They left their marks in such different ways and in incredible ways that you bring up their name and even people that don't really watch the NBA, your casual fans or people that aren't even, you know, basketball fans, because of how they transcended the sport, know who Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant are. And I think that is something that in life you should always aspire to do. Like whatever your career path is in life, whatever your path in life may be, you should always try you should always try and transcend what you're doing so that people remember you for everything you do and not just your career. You know, they should remember you for the type of person you are should remember you for everything you've done to kind of just impact your time here on this earth. And I think Kobe Bryant absolutely did that. And, um, you know, Kevin Garnett and, and Tim Duncan are just cultural icons You know, people know who all three of these guys are, whether you watch them play basketball or you just heard them because of, you know, their celebrity status. They were cultural icons throughout my childhood, throughout so many people's upbringings. And, um, you know, it's really awesome to see those guys get inducted together. It's such an awesome class to go in together. Um. You know, just the statistics alone is stunning for some of these guys. And then the rest of the class, unbelievable. Tamika Catchings, one of the best WNBA players to ever grace a court. Um, just absolutely dynamic. She was a rock star in the WNBA before it was even getting the notoriety it does now. Um you know, Tamika Ketchings accolades 10 time WNBA All Star, 12 time All WNBA. She was the 2011 WNBA MVP, a 2012 WNBA Champion, 1998 NCAA Champion. Um, just an absolute force in the game of basketball. And she's getting in rightfully so alongside Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, uh, Kim Mulkey going in nearly 600 wins in 19-plus seasons as Baylor's head coach, 18 NCAA tournament appearances, three NCAA championships, two-time AP College Basketball Coach of the Year inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame as a player in 2000. Then we've also got Barbara Stevens going in, more than 1,000 wins in 42-plus seasons as as a head coach, 30 Division II NCAA tournament appearances, 2016 Division II champion, five-time WBCA National Division II Coach of the Year, inducted into the Women's Hall of Fame uh, in 2006. And then we've also got Eddie Sutton, who is in his Division I head coaching career, 806 wins, 326 losses, 26 NCAA tournament appearances, two-time AP College Coach of the Year, and was enshrined in the College Basketball Hall of Fame in 2011. Rudy Tomjanovic, 527 career wins in 13 seasons as a head coach, 51-39 and postseason record, two-time NBA champion with the Houston Rockets, 1997 All-Star Game coach. Patrick Bauman uh, being elected posthumously by the International Committee. He was a Swiss basketball player, coach, and executive, Served as Secretary of uh, General of FIBA for 15 years. And uh, that's your class. And then you've also got the 2020 Basketball Hall of Fame Award winners. The Bunn Lifetime Achievement Award going to Dr. Tim Nugent, founder of National Wheelchair Basketball Association. Served as the commissioner for the first 25 years. Your Kurt Gowdy Media Award for print is going to PTI's Mike Wilbon. 30 years covering... Uh, all types of things at the Washington Post as a columnist. Covered every NBA Finals since 1987. Your electronic Kurt Gowdy Media Award winner is Mike Breen. He's a 28-year NBA broadcaster, lead voice for your ESPN and ABC NBA broadcasts. And the uh, Kurt Gowdy Transformative Media Award going to the fellas over at M- the, Inside the NBA on TNT. They've won nine Emmys show spans more than 30 years of NBA coverage. And your 2020 Kurt Gowdy Insight Media Award goes to Jim Gray, 40-plus years of broadcasting experience, and has won 11 Emmy Awards. Um, Just an all-time class. You know, this this NBA Hall of Fame class is so decorated. Um, And I think, you know, for all of these players, coaches, and just – you know personalities in the sport of basketball to go in together. It's such a dynamic class. Congratulations to the 2020 Basketball Hall of Fame uh, inductees. The uh, upcoming Hall of Fame schedule as of now, uh, Friday, August 28th, the Class of 2020 media availability and the enshrinement tip-off celebration and awards gala will go down Friday, August 28th. The red carpet show as of now is Saturday, August 29th, along with the enshrinement ceremony. And then Hall of Fame Springfield Celebration Day will take place as of now on Sunday, August 30th. So leading the way, Kobe, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Tamika Catchings as your your players that are going in. And um, just an unbelievable class that I think will go down as one of the best Hall of Fame classes we've seen in a long time, Um, just accolades-wise and performance-wise and just humans-wise, like, who these people were. So congratulations to that class of the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame. We've had the NBA 2K, you know, showdown going on. No Sixers involved, unfortunately. Um, But it's been interesting to kind of watch it take place. You know, the clips coming out on Twitter guys joking around and everything it's been it's been pretty cool to uh, see all of that go down um, but we've got the NFL draft coming up pretty pretty soon um, still expected to go on as planned and um, if you've been paying attention on draft Twitter uh, the hot name right now for the Philadelphia Eagles for a lot of fans and don't get it twisted this all started. From our uh, friend of the pod and host of just another football podcast that I am your producer of, Connor Miles, brought up Denzel Mims. I'm pretty sure on our very first episode of the pod and has been tweeting about Denzel Mims for a while, uh, and his draft stock has just been exploding from where I think he was initially going to be drafted. And right now, according to uh, USA Today's The Draft Wire, Their latest mock draft from a couple days ago has the Philadelphia Eagles taking Baylor wide receiver Denzel Mims in the little write-up here about Denzel is after filling their biggest need on defense by trading for Darius Slay, the Eagles free themselves up to do the same for their offense with this pick. Mims backed up his strong film by blowing up the NFL scouting combine, showing off the size and athleticism it takes to be a top target at the next level. Please check out Denzel Mims. The kid is an absolute animal. Um, I know I'm still on board with the Eagles trading up to get one of the top three wide receivers, whether it's Ruggs, Judy, or CD Lamb, because I think it's a necessity to go and do that. Um, but if they kind of stay put and they don't want to move out of the first round spot they're currently in, I think Denzel Mims is your next best option outside of the, the top three. I love his athleticism. He's an absolute freak of nature. Just top to bottom, the kid has what it takes, I think, to to be a legit number one wide receiver for a team in the NFL, and the Eagles desperately need that. So it's the perfect match. Uh, while I'm still, like I said, on top of you know, wanting the Eagles to take one of the big three, Denzel Mims is next best case scenario if they they stay put at 21 they might even have to move up a little bit just the way that mims is gaining traction throughout you know draft twitter and uh people just putting stock in him where he could move up the board a little bit more and and make way higher than 21 so the eagles are definitely going to have to monitor that um especially since you know the vikings pick right after the eagles and their next guy that they have taking in this mock draft is Jalen Rager, the TCU wide receiver, with the pick that they're getting from the Buffalo Bills um, for trading away Stephon Diggs? So, wide receivers are, are a hot commodity for a lot of teams uh, in the NFL right now, and they're going to have to realize you know, the Eagles' front office is going to have to realize that they need to figure out what they want to do personnel wise soon like they need to figure out what their plan of attack is going to be if they're going to move up if they're going to stay put um because teams are going to jump other teams in this draft I see a lot of trades going down draft night in the first round to move up move back um you know you could see current players get traded to fill positional needs that switch some things up like I think Brandon Cooks could get dealt on draft night again um who knows where that'll be you know there's a lot to kind of take into account with this year obviously with everything being different because of what's going on in the world but um i'm i'm very intrigued about Denzel Mims and you guys should definitely check him out what i'm going to do right now is i'm going to cut to our friend Connor Miles and his interview with Logan Lamariander um talking about the Detroit Lions but most notably talking about Darius Slay and uh, what his impact he think the the impact he thinks that he's gonna make in Philly, covering the Detroit Lions and everything. Great Lions insight uh, from Logan. So we're gonna cut to that and uh, we'll be right back.
1: Now is Logan Lamar- Lamarandier. He's a writer for SI, covers the Lions for Lion Lowdown. Logan, thanks for joining the show, man.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Of course.
1: All right, so time to talk about this Darius Trace, uh, this Darius Slay trade. I think it. I mean, a lot of people were like, "Whoa, the Eagles got a number one corner, and uh, the Lions really traded him." I know that there was talk last year around the trade deadline to move him, but what are your thoughts? I mean, a lot has come out since he's been traded. the The stuff that the issues he had with Matt Patricia have been made known. Uh, obviously, they said something about. Him sucking wide receivers' cranks, I believe. Uh, so, what's your thoughts on that? What's what's, what's the fallout from the Slay trade for the Lions?
2: Yeah. So, from a football standpoint, you know, Darius Big Play Slay, he he lived up to his name and uh, a fan favorite of many people. And you know, he always seemed to come through in the clutch. And in the last couple of years, in Matt Patricia's scheme, uh, you can Darius Slay is a man corner. He has the feet for it. But, uh, you know, the numbers haven't quite been there for Darius Slay. And as you previously mentioned, one of the first interactions that, you know, Darius Slay had with Matt Patricia as a group is uh, when Darius Slay was in a meeting room in front of all of his peers. And pretty much Matt Patricia calls him out for uh, hyping up another receiver's, another team's receiver. And, basically that was right when patricia started and there was plenty of reports coming out that patricia coming from that patriot tree was pretty brash and just uh you know old school mentality when it comes to football not necessarily Mm -hmm. known as a new school players coach and he's kind of you know kind of just a tough guy and there's been plenty of veterans that after they have left detroit have basically i don't want to say thrown patricia under the bus but basically just mentioned especially coming from Jim Caldwell who was a players coach they had previously to Matt Patricia it's just a night and day difference and there's a lot of players that didn't really like it now I will say that Darius Slay said that incident was from 2018 and things are better in 2019 I think Patricia did understand maybe that's not the right way to go about things is just being overly aggressive and calling people out but you know coming from again Belichick Belichick does what he wants but it works because they're winning and Players can't really say a ton when they're winning, and they're, they're happy. But with, with Darius Slay, he pretty much said he could never get over that. Um, there was some Quandre Diggs trade. Quandre Diggs was one of uh, Slay's good buddies on the mm-hmm. team, and that just kind of was a big surprise when that happened midseason last year. Slay spoke out on that. And then ever since that point, Slay, I think, uh, knew that he was possibly being traded. He wanted a new contract, and they actually briefly – Held out last year with two years left on his contract, and obviously the Lions weren't going to budge. And then as the year progressed uh, last year, it just got to the point where I think Slay knew that he wasn't going to get a contract. Uh, I don't think the Lions necessarily liked uh, his attitude, and he wasn't a yes man. And it's funny, you, you kind of look at all the players the Lions have had over the past couple of years that are like vocal on social media or just have a, a personality in general, you know, that people can see or they talk their mind. Uh, they're pretty much all gone, and Slay was kind of one of the last ones, and I think that's just a, a culture thing that the Lions are looking for. So I think with what pay, obviously the Eagles lined up a three-year extension for him, making him the highest-paid corner, which is what Darius Slay wanted, and I don't think the Lions are willing to do that, not necessarily so much for his on-field performance, but just because I don't think they liked – the feeling was probably mutual. I don't think they really liked – each other very much now Slade like didn't say anything bad about the city of Detroit he was very giving to the community a great all-around guy but as far as the personality fits it just wasn't there so it's, it's tough to see him go uh as from, coming from a Lions perspective because he is the best player on their defense and with a team that only won three games last year they need all the help they can get so you know he is 29 years old and the Lions got pretty much what I expected for in return. I know a lot of people look at that Jalen Ramsey trade who have got a couple first-round picks, but that is also because Jalen Ramsey is just entering his prime. That's that's not Slay. Mm-hmm. I think he's kind of on the backside, but he's still a very, very good player. And, and you know, the metrics and looking uh, at type of coverage he's consistently in where no help, it's just man on man. He does a very good job. So I know I just spewed out a lot of information, but that's kind of... uh the long story about it.
1: No, it's interesting because, I mean, you see the Lions brought in Desmond Trufant. They just brought in Daryl Roberts, too, I noticed. Uh, and then, yeah. obviously, Jeff Jeffrey Okuda is the talk about number three consensus pick on most mocks. You, you could understand from a standpoint of, hey, you know, we're at this point where we are only won three games and Darius Slade, again, is on the back end of his career. We can try to get value for a player who doesn't want to be here anymore. But I think just the he pretty much threw, my, he, I mean, I know that he did admit that things got better the season before, but uh, again, he was the third most third most used corner in uh, press coverage snaps. And I think with Darius, you, you want to see more of a mix with him, especially with the hamstring injury he suffered last year too as well, right? Am I correct in thinking that slowed him down in press a lot?
2: A little bit, but um, I mean, that's this the Lions scheme that they run. And um, But he had his best year when it was a little bit more mix of zone. And that was 2017, Slay did, and that was under Terrell Austin's defense and Jim Caldwell's um, when he was the head coach. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Slay's picks were off of zone coverage where he could read the quarterback's eyes and had his eyes in the backfield and was able to break on the ball because he has some of the best feet, I think, in the game right now as far as a change of direction and just the ability to break on passes and be a playmaker. He is, he is a playmaker. And you saw his, he was still getting... Plenty of pass breakups. He's super sticky in coverage, but it's kind of funny too looking at the jasmine Trufant contract. Another thing that I don't think a lot of fans considered is the when the Lions traded Slay, they freed up ten and a half million dollars in cap space, so that mm-hmm. allowed them to basically give that ten and a half million, which is exactly the yearly average that Trufant's getting. So in return for Slay, not only are you getting money for Trufant, you're also getting a third and fifth round pick. So. Um, as far as the scheme goes, though, like you said, I think he he's definitely one of the better press man corners in the league just cause of his because of his quick feet, but he's got some real zone skill as well.
1: So, do you believe Desmond Trufant can fill fill that void? I to me, when I was studying him, I feel like his better days are behind him because of the injuries. I think they finally caught a toll with him. But do you believe he can go ahead and replace Slay?
2: I don't think it's a even match for Slay and. Yeah, he, you're looking at his production he had last year. Trafant, he did have an injury, but he had four interceptions in nine games. He was playing pretty well, um, and he's a very good athlete. He, Him and Slay were actually in the same draft, and Trafant was drafted ahead of Slay. And a lot of it was just because of his athletic profile. So I think he can be a very good man corner um, like Slay. You know, he is anytime you never really know. At what age these corners are going to start to fall off? Um, because it can happen quickly when guys rely on athleticism. Because all of a sudden, as they age, that speed and you know their quickness is kind of goes away. Mm-hmm. And when you lose a step in the NFL, it's a big deal. So I, I don't think looking at the contract that Trufant got, it's kind of a good indicator of what you the, the, the league feels about a player. And being that he only costs ten and a half million dollars per season compared to Slay sixteen. Point six million dollars per year, uh, new average that he had with his extension. You know, I don't think it's fair to say Trufant should be Slay. It's it's kind of going to be more of a committee, um, and expecting other guys to step up. And you mentioned Okuda. Uh, the Lions do have a pick at the top, you know, top three in the draft. Maybe they trade down, but there's there's going to be other options. It's not going to be easy. You're not going to just be able to replace Slay with one other individual.
1: Right. So. We'll we'll get into the draft targets later because I believe that they should target Jeffrey Okuda, but we'll get into that in a second. But let's go. Let's focus on Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. Uh, your year, year three for Patricia is the sea getting warm a little bit? Because I I think a lot of when Quinn came in, he still had Jim Caldwell for the year, I believe, and then he decided to bring in his own guy, and so far it hasn't worked out. What do you think's the status of those two?
2: Well, yeah. So Quinn was uh. Quinn came in four years ago and he had Caldwell for two years. Right, And, you know, Caldwell's last season, they won nine games and that wasn't good enough for Bob Quinn. And I, you know, it's kind of speculation, but everyone always assumed that it was going to be a New England Patriots guy once Caldwell was gone. Just with that Bob Quinn coming from the New England Mm -hmm. organization, that it was likely going to be Patricia. And so that's, Patricia was brought in to win. And considering that he won six games, in his first season he was already you know a lot of fans were disgruntled last year you know after Stafford went down they didn't win another game and they only had three there were three uh three four and one with stafford and uh things just weren't going that great so there was a lot of people calling for his job last year uh martha ford the owner uh came out at the end of the year and basically said it's it's a win now type of season they She was a little bit vague with how many wins. You know, you never want to set, you know, a strict, oh, you must win 10 wins. But she said, be in contention for playoffs. So you can kind of take that how you will. But in my mind, that's, you know, got to be like another nine-win season. Because Patricia wasn't brought in to rebuild. And right now, they're kind of going through a rebuilding process. I know sometimes to change a culture, it takes a couple years. But that's not what Patricia... And the eyes of the fans and the eyes of the organization want it. They wanted to win now, and that hasn't happened. So I think Patricia's seat right now is very hot, as well as Quinn's, because this was his guy. I think Quinn and Patricia are tied at the hip. If, if one's gone, I think they're probably both gone. So, yeah, it's it's very fair to say they're on the hot seat right now.
1: Right, because from an outside perspective looking in, you'd think that they downgraded from Jim Caldwell, clearly, because of the yeah, I mean, that turned out so far. Caldwell, but, I mean, it was a surprising fighter yeah. as is, like you said
2: and that's what it was is it was, it was one of those things where Caldwell's never really able to get him over the hump so they wanted to switch it up and you know I'm not saying I would rather have I wish Caldwell was still here I think it was the right move to try to move on and get better but this obviously wasn't the right choice as of right now it sure doesn't look good and unfortunately Patricia hasn't given me a ton of confidence to think that things are gonna be able to turn around so it's it's one of those things that's going to have to happen before I actually believe that. Oh, they got these guys got it going in the right track because as of right now, it's definitely not.
1: I mean, I like I like the Jimmy Collins edition. I think that's going to be a solid move and pay off dividends. Uh, but you're looking around yeah. the roster. There's there's still a lot of holes to, to say the lines are in playoff competitive mode. I mean, again, this draft still has to happen, and Jeffrey Recuda to me is the next best defensive back I've studied since Jalen Ramsey. So he is a game changer if you bring him in here. I think he'll automatically put up great stats his rookie year. But you're looking around; the pass rush needs to get better. Uh, 28 sacks last year. Not gonna cut it. The offensive line still has holes. You you're hoping running back pans out. Carry on Johnson comes back to to normal. Stafford obviously needs to be healthy. It, it it's tough to really see, even with this draft coming up to see playoffs with them.
2: Yeah, and it is. Fortunately for the Lions, the rest of the NFC North, um, they've all had plenty of uh, cap issues. or They didn't have a ton of money to spend, so they've been losing a little few players. You know, the Vikings, the Packers, the Bears have all been making some, some cuts, and they bring in some other guys too, but they haven't made any huge splashes. So I think the division necessarily hasn't gotten a ton better relative to the Lions, and you look at what the Lions have done overall. In my opinion, it's kind of been like a wash. They've they've gotten rid of a lot of these higher priced veteran players that they were counting on last year, and they replaced them with you know other guys that you know should be okay, should be pretty good. They're kind of banking on them, you know, like Alapooli Vadi Vaitai, the right tackle from the Eagles. They paid him a good amount of money, and they released Rick Rick Wagner, who went and signed with the Packers. And the Lions' dead cap space for Wagner is still more than what the Packers are playing, paying him. <laughs> so it's like there's a lot of those moves where it's just like, okay, I, I understand why you did it, but at the same time, I don't know if it's necessarily an upgrade, but there are. And then that right guard spot, Graham Glasgow, who was one of the first – the third-round draft pick and the first draft Bob Quinn had progressed really nicely and was one of the top-paid uh, interior linemen paid this off season, and the Lions just kind of let him go. And so, it's again, it's another – one of their better younger players that homegrown and he just walked so that right guard spot is a huge hole that running back you mentioned carry on johnson has had had his fair share of struggles with injury both scarborough who looks nice at the end of the year he has a even going back to college and in high school he has a ton of injury history so the lions haven't had a running game in forever mm-hmm. which is so crazy hard to believe but since matthew staff has been drafted the lions had the worst rushing attack in the NFL over that span, and it's really not even that close. Like They just have never been able to run the ball. And defense, um, Jamie Collins is a nice addition, but again, it's like, is that a guy that's going to put you over the edge and you lose your best defensive player in Darius Slay? So it is. It's, it's a bunch of shakeups, but it, again, you go back and look, it's like, it, did they really get better with all these players they released? Uh, Snacks Harrison is another guy who had a down 2019 year but he used to be just an animal against the run. And and they don't have that guy anymore. They added Danny Shelton, another former Patriot guy, who's a little younger at a much cheaper cost. But overall, yeah, there's still plenty of holes on the roster and the draft. You know, Bob Quinn has never really had a draft where guys come in right away and just put up, you know, make a huge impact. And that's going to need to happen this year if they want to keep their jobs.
1: All right, so let's, let's get into it now. So uh, you named the holes that, you've already talked about on, on the team so far. What would you like to see them do with that number three pick? I think if I'm the Lions, I'd definitely go ahead and take Jeffrey Kuda, I, I, depending on if Chase Young is there.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. If Chase Young isn't there at three, ideally, you know, if Tua is everything that people say he is, and, you know, all the medical reports keep coming out that he's healthy. He said he's 100% healthy and that he could play today. You know, who knows if that's a smokescreen. You know, coming from agents, you can never really believe everything they say. They're trying to make their players money. The players are trying to make money. And given the, the weird situation that we're in with the coronavirus, you know, the medical checks, uh, team medical checks can't be nearly as thorough. So you just kind of wonder. But, you know, ideally, the Lions could trade down with Miami to, you know, pick five, get another couple extra picks and still get Okuda. But as of right now, I think Okuda, the Lions have a need for a corner. Uh, they don't have a number two corner behind Tupont. They need a long term solution there as well. And I totally agree with your assessment on Akuda. I think he's one of the best pure cover guys I've seen in a long time. And I know a lot of people, you know, kind of knock him a little bit for only running a four four eight, which is still plenty fast enough mm-hmm. in my mind, because you, you look at his hip fluidity and he reminds me of actually a lot of Darius Slay with how quick his speed are. Maybe he doesn't have that top end speed, but then you also look at his wingspan. You know, so many people always talk about they want height at corner well usually with height comes long wingspan i think wingspan's super important and jeff okuda basically had arms of like a six foot five guy right. so that's just great length great impressed man super detail oriented just already seems to have like a veteran savvy about him you know knowing routes and everything he is i think he's a very well-rounded prospect and i like him better than isaiah simmons whether you know, that's a whole nother debate as far as the scheme fit for Simmons and the lions defense, what position would he even be? Cause Matt Patricia has a penchant for all of his linebackers are 250 pounds. Like they're all huge guys. I say Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons, isn't quite that. And uh, I think as a linebacker, Simmons doesn't really fit that mold of just being like a thumper middle type guy gap filler. Like that's not Simmons strengths. Mm-hmm. Simmons strengths are playing out in space and just, you know, to roam free and in coverage, and the Lions don't ask their linebackers to do really that all that much. They use the third safety a lot, which I think would probably be Simmons' more ideal uh, spot in this Lions defense. That hang defender that they have, because um, they run a ton of three safety sets. And is it, again going back to Isaiah Simmons is like, is it being a third safety <laughs> or like a box safety really that important in the scheme? So I don't know. I I do like though Jeff Akuda. Like I said, ideally it would be in a trade down situation. And if Tua truly is what all these NFL teams think he is, they should be able to find a trade partner where they can move down a few picks. And hopefully, uh, you know, you still got Okuda on the board there.
1: Right. I I don't see Isaiah Simmons fitting with the line, especially after they just dumped Devin Kernard pretty much for being. Isaiah Simmons is going to be better than Kennard, but the same type of uh, character profile kind of players too with the hybrid safety linebacker. I, I just can't see Matt Patricia fitting that into the system, but there was smoke about the Lions interest in Tua. Now to me, Matthew Stafford is the most underrated quarterback in the NFL for reasons you named. He's never had a run game. He's had an incredibly leaky offensive lines majority of his career too. And the defenses well, haven't always been on the top of the game until they had like pretty much tell Austin as defensive coordinator, uh,
2: they've had one year of a really good defense with Stafford and they won 11 games when they did. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. He... Stafford has a team around him. He always does well, but unfortunately we, we saw it just this past year, you lose Stafford and they don't win another game. It's kind of been like, this. it's so hard. I think for most NFL fans that aren't always dialing in on the lions, um, that you can just have that long of a career, and not have any playoff wins. But at the same time, you look at, the talent that's been around Stafford. He's had some great receivers, but you look at all the you know, all these Super Bowl winning teams and more often than not, it relies, you know, a lot on running game and defense. I know last year with the with the Chiefs it was a little bit different scenario with that super high powered offense, but even before that, the last ten years it's always been, you know, you gotta have a run game and a defense. And the Lions have just never had that with Stafford.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, it never really had the tight end either. Eric Ebron was supposed to be that. Right. It didn't work out. Uh, TJ Hogginson still got a lot to prove. Jesse James was a free agent acquisition. It wasn't panned out. So, I mean, really, I it goes back to my statement. I think Matthew Stafford, if you look at the statistics, he's always in the top ten in quarterback statistics usually. Uh, I think the people that knock on him the most bring up his win and loss record versus winning teams. But how are you going to beat winning teams without a run game and then without the defense playing up to par? it's just not possible. So I think a lot of things that he gets knocked for is team uh, really are team stats.
2: Yeah. And that's, it goes back. I know the initial point was talking about Tua to, to the lions. And I think that's, you can put probably that to rest. Right.
1: Know. It's just silly. It there is was, silly. There's
2: trade rumors that, you know, Stafford wanted out of Detroit. That was quickly debunked by his wife on Instagram. Stafford isn't a social media guy, but his wife very much is. Um, you know, she did make a statement that <laughs> she was like, oh, if Detroit's done with us, then yeah, like San Diego wouldn't, or uh, Los Angeles wouldn't be too bad or something like that, commenting on an article on an Instagram story. But the Lions also just signed Chase Daniel as well. You know, one of the, the better backups or the one of the more consistent backups in the NFL. I just don't see in a win-now season, especially with this front office and regime, that they could afford the luxury to have two-a sit behind Stafford for a year in a win-now scenario, but I will say, at the third overall pick, I think Tua might be the best value, because it is a quarterback, and anytime you have a quarterback available that's considered a franchise type of quarterback, that's usually the best value you're going to get. So, I understand that philosophy, but at the same time, I just don't see it happening.
1: Yeah, no. I don't either. I wouldn't give up on Stafford at this point. I just keep building around him as best as you can, and hope you can win with same. him. But, so, again, do you, if you're at the drafts today, do you think Jeffrey Recruit is the pick for the Lions?
2: Yeah, I think that it makes the most sense. Uh, it fills a need, I think he's a great player as well. And, uh, yeah, hopefully the, the Lions share our thoughts on that.
1: I would hope so, too. Okay, again, Logan it covers the Lions for Sports Illustrated. He also is with Lion Lowdown. You can check out his work. On those websites, Logan, give him your at so people can follow you on Twitter and get to know more of your uh, stuff. You're a really good football writer, my man.
2: Hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, so on Twitter, I'm at L That's spelled L A M O R A N D I E R. Same with, I got an Instagram account too that I usually just post um, kind of, you know, I do a lot of research and stats and data. That's, you know, I like the analytics aspects of the game. So I try to post a lot of that type of stuff. And then, um, yeah, Facebook page as well, under the same name, or Lion Lowdown, um, that Facebook page. And then, uh, yeah, I, I write daily at uh, Sports Illustrated, all Lions. Um, so, yeah, that's between there, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. But I'd say Twitter is definitely the best spot to reach me with questions, and I'll talk Lions football anytime, man. All
1: right, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. We'll have to have you on soon after draft day.
2: Sounds good, man. Appreciate you
1: having me. No problem, man. Appreciate it.
0: Make sure you guys are subscribed and checking out just another football podcast. Uh, it's Connor Miles, friend of the network. His podcast, he started to ask me to come on board as his producer, and he is pumping out. So much content for it. Getting guests booked left and right. We've got draft specials coming up, very, very soon, on that pod feed. So make you ch- make sure you check it out at another FB Pod on Twitter, and make sure you subscribe to that podcast as well on your favorite podcast app. Um, some other interesting stuff from this weekend. Uh, Rob Gronkowski is now a champion in the WWE. Uh, never thought I'd say those words. It was weird watching it on the timeline. I'm not a wrestling person whatsoever. Um, I leave that to the experts all around the world that do watch wrestling. But, you know, Rob Gronkowski is a, a polarizing figure, and he's now a WWE champion. So interesting stuff there. But Yahoo Sports tweeted out uh, an interesting conversation. I mean, we you've heard this question posed a ton over the years. Um, And the question is, any player, any sport, who most deserved a ring and never got one? And I've seen so many responses with Larry Fitzgerald. And don't get me wrong, I'm a huge, huge Larry Fitzgerald fan. And it's not just because he wears number 11. I've loved Larry Fitzgerald for as long as I can remember. Um, But guys, Larry Fitzgerald's still playing football. So I don't think he qualifies, in my book at least, for an answer to this question. Um, but I want to know what you guys think. So tweet at us at UndergroundPHI or leave it in your Apple Podcast review with a five-star rating. Because you know the deal. We got standards. We know you do too. Uh, any player, any sport, who most deserved a ring and never got one? Um, I also saw Brian Dawkins and it's odd because yes, Brian Dawkins didn't win one in his playing career, but he did receive one as a member of the front office when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017. So that's why I based my decision. We tweeted it from the Underground Sports Twitter account as well. I think it's Roy Halliday. Roy Halliday never winning a ring is criminal in my book. It's absolutely absurd. That a player that dominant, a pitcher who dominated in both leagues, both in the American League and the National League, the way Roy Halladay did, winning multiple Cy Young awards, having a perfect game and a no-hitter in the same season, and never winning a championship is just so criminal uh, that it never happened. And to think that Roy obviously will never win one is so upsetting, Um, but Roy Halladay is leaps and bounds easily my answer to that question. Um let us know what you think about that question. I want to know your answers. Let me know what sport you guys are, you know, basing this off of. Obviously it's in any sport. If I had to pick all of them, um definitely going Roy Halliday for for baseball. Um for football, oh man. Football's a tough one. I mean, playing career-wise, like I definitely would say Brian Dawkins. Um, Hockey-wise, I'm not the hockey expert, obviously. that's Dilly Dills uh, is the hockey expert, so I might go and ask him and let you guys know the answer to our hockey response. Um, And then the NBA is another interesting situation of who never won a ring. It's tough. My definite locks are Roy Halliday and Brian Dawkins. Um, I'm recording this at like 2 a.m. right now, so that's probably why my thoughts are a little scattered. But um, let me know what you guys think. Tweet at us at Underground PHI. You can tweet at me at KBIZZL311. A lot of big stuff coming on the network this week. We'll have another episode of OTB dropping on Wednesday, uh, as we've moved that to once a week just for the time being to make it easier for uh, just consumption of the show and not forcing too much down your guys' throats for you OTB fans that also listen to this show, um, because it's mostly going to be, you know, player interviews, uh, media interviews, that kind of stuff for the time being with no games. but the the big thing is streamer season that we've been telling you guys about. Get on board. Shout out to the homie Ninja Scott season uh, with a little follow bump just the other day. But uh, streamer season episode one is coming at you this week. It's dropping this week. Not sure what day yet. We're still setting up a recording time. Um, but man, I am so excited to talk about Hunters. Hunters on Amazon Prime, if you have not watched it. Do yourself a favor, sit down, grab some popcorn, go get a pizza from wherever it may be. Obviously, practice social distancing, but support your local businesses. Um, They've got curbside takeout and everything. Get a pizza, get some popcorn, and load up if you need caffeine and uh, watch Hunters on Amazon Prime. It is one of the best shows I've ever watched. I'm going to be on the episode... Dom is going to be on the episode because Dom's the one that recommended I watch it, and I was hooked from the very second I started. Uh, Kevin Guest might be on the episode, and Dilly Dills might be on the episode. We're still working it out, but it's dropping this week. I'm letting you guys know. We're not delaying any longer. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of shows that we want to talk about as well, but our first three episodes, we have them lined up. We're going to be doing Hunters as episode one. Giving you guys some time to digest and watch and then listen to the pod. And then we'll be breaking down Tiger King. I know it's been the hot commodity docu-series to watch. I finished it. It's absolutely unbelievable. Um, Tiger King will be episode two. And then we're going to open it up with some comedy. And we're going to have fun and and shoot the shit about Burt Kreischer's comedy special, Hey Big Boy. Um, Very excited for all three of those and then uh we have some some terminology and some fun stuff coming on that show that we'll talk about when it comes to series that we've just never watched. Uh one of them for me being Ozark. I've never watched a single episode of Ozark, but I want to. So uh we have some some fun stuff coming on Streamer season uh, this week, next week, a whole lot of stuff. I'm very excited, can't wait and um like Denise said on Survivor, and Joel Embiid has said for many, many years, trust the process. And as always, guys, make sure you check out our friends at Tomahawk Shades. They're doing it right. They are the best in the business when it's coming uh, to you from the the sunglasses, the blue light glasses, everything in between. Tomahawk Shades is your way to go. They started on Long Island in 2013. Uh, And they're taking a chance on us and hooking you guys up big time. So when you go to check out, use the promo code USP. Save 25% off at checkout. Uh, Big thank you to Tomahawk Shades for doing what they do. And um, go get some sunglasses. Go get some blue light glasses. Like I said at the top of the show, protect your eyes. Do them well. Tomahawk Shades is your place to go. And as always, the show brought to you by our local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novig Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vinylan. And make sure you check out Design Tree, our storefront, dsgntree.com, search underground sports Philadelphia, and save yourself 25, 20% off at checkout with the promo code SPRING20 uh, on our Design Tree storefront. Back later this week, we are working on getting some uh, familiar faces back on the show and have them on as returning guests. Going to be doing a lot of footwork this week uh, through the old cell phone, contacting some people and maybe some new people uh, You know, coming at you very, very soon. Again, if you haven't checked out our episode with Will Parks from Wednesday, make sure you do that. Will was absolutely amazing. Uh, very thrilled that he's in Philadelphia because he is an amazing dude. Just make sure you check it out. He's really awesome, and uh, the interview was super fun. And uh, can't thank him and his representation enough for helping make that happen. But we'll catch you guys on Wednesday again. And uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Underground PHI, Twitter and Instagram at OTB LaxPod, Twitter and Instagram at Streamer Season, Twitter and Instagram at Fourth and Goal USP. Twitter and Instagram, I think there's a rumor I'm making a, an appearance on fourth and goal this week, so make sure you check that out. And at Process Potables, Twitter and Instagram, make sure you check us out on socials, and you can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Make sure you subscribe to the pod on your favorite podcast platform and leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let me know what athlete, any sport, whatever it may be, any time period, that uh, never won a championship, but you think they should have. And uh, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Radio.com. We're on all those websites, all those podcast listening platforms. We're there for you. And um, stay safe. Practice social distancing. Like, can't stress it enough. Please, please, please. Uh, wash your hands. Do everything to flatten this curve. And... Uh, We're going to keep the content coming as much as we can. So for everybody here at Underground Sports Philadelphia, this has been episode number 225. We'll catch you guys later on this coming week. Peace.